Welcome everybody, you're tuning in to Gridlock. The show's about traffic, driving, cars, infrastructure, and much more. I'm your host Karina. And I'm your host Vlad. Fasten your seatbelts because you're in for a bumpy ride. Follow us on Instagram at gridlock.podcast, Twitter at podcast.gridlock, and our Facebook group, Gridlock Podcast. So today is season one, episode two of our podcast. (laughs) Uh, And today we'll be talking about international driving licenses, the history of driving in Toronto, and hopefully we'll have enough time to do the major intersections in Toronto. And lastly, of course, just like every week, we end our podcast with pet peeves. So don't forget to follow us and give us your pet peeves. Okay, okay. First topic. Let's go. Okay, so I have a bunch of questions for Vlad. He doesn't know the answers, as usual. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to ask a question, and then he's going to give me his answer, and then I'll tell him what the true answer is. So, for example, in order to get your license in this country, you must write an exam on the rules of the road and take one or two driving tests. Is it A, Brazil? B, Canada, C, Mexico, or D, Spain? I'm going to go for B, Canada. Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Yep. The process to get a driver's license in Canada depends on the province or territory where you live and on your driving background, but it may include a written exam on the rules of the road. You can get a study guide to help with this. Or one or two driving tests, depending on the province. There you go. Are you ready for a real question now? Okay, let's go. You started with me, the easy one, so let's get something a little more challenging. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so in this country, it is possible to fail the driving test if you don't ensure that you bend low enough to check for any cats that might be concealed under your car. Is it A, Russia, B, Italy, C, France, or D, Japan? Oh, I'm going to go for Russia because they have some obscure rules. <laughs> that's actually a good answer i googled which which countries have the most cats and russia was number one. <laughs> oh! but the answer is actually japan okay that's really weird yeah it's kind of strange why but, so why is that why is that a requirement like why do you have to be able to bend low so you can see if there's cats underneath like what's what's the deal with that um so japan gives drivers two options to fulfill their practical exam one option is to choose a designated driving school with the benefit being that you don't have to pass this practical test. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that those are expensive though because the majority of people choose the other choice which is go to a driving school not associated with the government and they have to pass a theory and a practical exam. The driving test itself is conducted on a closed off driving course but they have to go through real life obstacles. They must maintain a speed of 90 miles per hour. That's 30 kilometers per hour and follow a strict set of rules for example they must say i am making a turn before they actually make the turn in order to pass and if the drivers make one mistake like driving too far to the right or not looking for a cat under the car (laughs) they instantly fail the test in fact only 35 percent of people pass this practical test in japan wow yeah i mean i I mean i kind of like that because it's hard to pass if anybody can get a driver's license, then you have bad drivers on the road. So I like a driving test to be more challenging. I feel like that helps society. I think so, too. We've talked about this before. I think it should be a little bit harder in Canada as well. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> okay, so that was question number one. We have six questions. Okay. So question number two. 
Wasn't that question number two that you just asked, the Russian one? No, the first one was an example. Oh, so the first one wasn't even a real one. I got the first one wrong officially? <laughs> no, you got what the first this? one right because it was Canada. No, but that's an example one. Yeah, and then the first question was about Japan. Yeah. And you got that yeah, yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so you got yeah, the first right. official question wrong. Sorry, babe. You build my confidence <laughs> and then you tear it back down. What is this? They, they're hard. Okay, candidates from this country have to answer 100 questions in 45 minutes and get at least 90 of them right in order to receive a driver's license. For this test, there's now more than 1,400 possible questions to answer. Is it A, China, B, Finland, C, Turkey, or D, Vietnam? I'm going to go with China on this one. <laughs> That's right. How did you know? Woo! Uh, I don't know how I knew, but it just felt right because I knew they only have um, kind of like a, a test, but they don't actually have a driving test in China. They just do like a like a theory test, so it makes kind of sense. I did a little research on this topic, so. Oh, nice. <laughs> Applicants in China must answer 100 questions in 45 minutes and get at least 90% right. If not, you fail. The Ministry of Public Security offers no sample tests for this, as the intent of the ministry is that students must learn the traffic regulations and understand the intention of the rules rather than memorize answers to questions. However, I did search a little bit, and I found a fake uh, English version of the test. And there's one question. Do you want to just pretend to answer it? Yeah, sure. Okay, so after Shoot. a vehicle falls into the water, the wrong method is A, smash the glass, B, make telephone calls for help, C, allow the water to slow up and slowly fill up the compartment, or D, open the window. Well, I would say the right answer was to either open the window first, then if you can't open the window, smash the glass. So and that then, leaves B and C. And then B and C, I don't, I don't even think you have time to make a call if water is coming in. Depending yeah. on, yeah, that's all. Yeah, you got it. Sorry, I interrupted you there, but you got it. The answer is B, make a telephone call. I don't know why you'd make a telephone call if yeah. you're underwater. Like, yeah. But, yeah, so they have questions like that on the Chinese. I guess, I guess maybe they could text somebody in that case, <laughs> text 911. <laughs> you still drown, though. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're one for one. <clears throat> okay. New drivers in this country. One, I just got the China one right. Yeah, so oh, you have one so wrong, one right. Oh, so you got right. a two-parter. Again, oh, so it was a two-parter. Oh, yeah, you got right, that. Okay, was a bonus. So you have one and then one and a half. No, 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 no. I'll, <laughs> take, I'll take that half. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> new drivers in this country have to pass a psychological exam before they can qualify for a license. A, Australia, B, Brazil, C, UK, and D, Sweden. Uh, I'm going to go with B, Brazil on this one. Again, you're right. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> Good job. Before even getting into the car, people must undergo a psychological exam to determine if they are mentally fit to drive. The test aims to uncover, among other things, aggression and signs of alcohol abuse. They also learn specific driving techniques that could help them escape from potentially life-threatening situations on the road. Oh, I think that's um, I think that's really progressive because I feel driving these days does take toll on your like psychological health because there's been tests done and studies been done that people that occur that that go through traffic jams for 2-3 days a week are statistically known to be 18% more stressed out in their daily lives. So that's very progressive of Brazil to think that way because traffic, I mean, driving and traffic is, is hard on your brain. It's hard on your psychology. It stresses you out, especially, especially with things out of your control. The only thing you can control is the car, but you can't control everything outside of the car. 
And there's so many different variables that go outside of that. So kudos to you, Brazil. <laughs> I actually did some more research on Brazil. And uh, they take licensing very seriously. So it's not only just a psychological exam. They have to undergo medical tests and be schooled in traffic laws and driving theory for 45 hours. And then after that, they will have to complete a 20 hours of practical driving with an instructor. And once they've done all that, they're still on a one-year probationary license. So if during that time there are any infractions, then the license revoked, not just mm. suspended. Mm. Wow. So it takes a long time, I guess, and you have to be pretty careful. Well, it makes sense, and that, that I, I, I agree with that. They are very strict. That is very strict, in my opinion, but that makes better drivers in your society. And for the most populated country in South America, you have a lot of people driving. You have a lot of people on the road. and You, you want to make them as efficient and as safe as possible. Yeah, I think so, too. Okay, so what do you have? You have two and a half points and only one wrong. Yep. <laughs> okay. So up until 2017, citizens of this country did not need to show any proof that they were capable of driving in order to get their license. Hmm. So A, India, B, Mexico, C, Trinidad and Tobago, or D, Egypt. Oh, shoot. That's a good one. Okay. So can you, can you repeat the question for me, please? Sure. So up until 2017, citizens of this country did not need to show any proof that they were capable of driving in order to get their license. Mm -hmm. A, India, B, Mexico, C, Trinidad and Tobago, and D, Egypt. I'll go with Mexico. Actually, yeah, again, you're right. Yep. Wow. You're acing this test. Because yeah, I, I, read, I read somewhere that all you need to do to get a license in Mexico is you need, just need to pay money. That's it. Well, actually, up until 2017, that was right. Okay. Uh, now, however, in Mexico City, um, there's been a rash of serious accidents. So these laws were changed, and now you have to take both a written and driving test to get a license. Only in Mexico City? So it's yeah. on, a on a municipal level? I tried to look for the rest of Mexico, and they didn't have any stats. So I'm sure you could probably still buy a license in those places. Okay. I know a couple of Mexicans that I could do some research, and I'll, I'll reach out to them. But I was also I also had India as one of the options, because India changed their laws as well. They used to be able to buy their license without any test of yeah. any sort, too. But oh, really? they switched it as well. But they switched it longer before Mexico has switched it. <laughs> yep, yep. I'll, I'll, re I'll reach out to my favorite Mexicans. Uh, Giselle Gonzalez, you're, you're one of them. <laughs> Shout out to Giselle. She's going to hate you. <laughs> uh, okay, here's a little fun fact that I just going to throw in. <laughs> Mexico City alone has 21 million residents and has such poor air quality that the Mexican government recently started encouraging people not to drive their car at least once a week. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think that should be implemented in Canada? Um, to be honest with you, uh, we rely so much on cars in Canada, so I don't know. Maybe. If, if, if our public transportation improves, yeah. I, I don't see why not. Yeah. I think the only issue in Canada is winter. So sometimes it's so cold people want to be either on transit or in a car yeah. because they don't want to walk in the freezing cold. Yeah. And a lot of people don't really prepare for the freezing cold as well as we do. So. Yeah. But I like when the schools do that, like take walk your kid to school day and stuff like that. That's nice. That is then, nice, yeah. And you're saving the environment. And, and to be honest with you, if if you don't take the car, you'll you'll save a lot of stress because you don't have to deal with traffic. And traffic where we live is pretty bad. And parking but, is yeah. also very bad. <laughs> yeah, parking is very bad. And like 
for example, today it's Saturday and there's traffic right now on the highways and it's a Saturday. Like yeah. it's Saturday during the day and I want to go to Hamilton, which is close to Toronto, like maybe 45 minutes an hour away. And it's going to take us probably an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So, so silly, right? Yeah. That's how it is in the city. Okay. Whoa. Ready for next question? Ready for the next question. I'm on a tear. Three and a half, right? Right? Yeah, three and a half. I'm right. on a tear. Okay. A first aid training is compulsory before a driving license license is granted say again repeat the question again a first aid training is compulsory means like mandatory before a driving license is granted in is granted okay and a germany b austria austria c hungary or d switzerland oh i'm gonna go with switzerland is your final answer switzerland's my final answer <laughs> okay well no matter what one you said this is a free question because all of those countries <laughs> uh need first aid training which wow. i think is great why don't we have that here yeah that's true because i mean driving a vehicle is a privilege you know what i mean it's not a right yeah so if you get into an accident you should be able to like you know either do first aid on yourself or people around you and save, you can save a life yeah exactly so, yeah, so it's Germany, Austria, Hungary, and Switzerland all have first aid training as a compulsory before their driver's license is granted. And, in fact, Switzerland learning drivers are required to prove that they have received at least 10 hours of certified first aid training in order to even qualify for their theory test. Well, because they got to keep up to their flag. Their flag is a first aid flag if you look at the Switzerland <laughs> flag. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. That. <laughs> I wouldn't have even thought of that. <laughs> Okay, this is your last question, but no matter okay. what, it sounds like you passed. I'm killing this international driving, and, I'm, and I have very little research, everybody. I'm not <laughs> cheating or anything. <laughs> In an effort to curb accidents and road deaths, this country added a requirement to the process of earning a driver's license. The drivers to be in this country must play a board game before they take their driving test. Is it <laughs> A, USA, B, Norway, C, Sierra Leone, or D, Cook Islands? Damn, that is a good one. That is a, you, so you, uh, the, you must play a board game. Definitely not USA. That's one. Sierra Leone and Cook Islands. I don't know much about. But I feel like Cook Islands is so chill. I think it's Cook Islands. Final answer. Ooh, I threw that in there. Twist you up. It's, it's actually Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone. Where is Sierra Leone? It's in Africa, right? I think... No, I think it's in the Caribbean. Sierra Leone is, I think it's in the Africa. But we'll find out later. Oh, no, actually it is. It's Africa? It is in Africa. Is it? Okay. Interesting. got to play a board game. Sorry, well, I'm going to sound dumb on this podcast. That's okay. okay. Not everybody's a geography whiz. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's a board game. The game is titled The Driver's Way and is said to be a cross between Monopoly, Scrabble, and Trivia. Potential drival, drivers much, must purchase the game for $14 and play it at least once before taking the practical test. I read that they actually have two to three months with the game to play it as many times as they want before the test, but they have to prove that they've bought it and played it only once. Mm -hmm. But I guess if you're smart, you play it more than once because then it'll help you with your test. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I really like that fact. Huh. Yeah. Good. Kudos to you, Sierra Leone. That is a... That is a really fun way of doing your license, actually. Everybody wants to drive now. Yeah. No. And <laughs> um, then I have a bonus question because I wasn't sure if you're going to get three and three, but okay. you're already winning, so you could just have this bonus question for fun. So in this country, drivers only need to pass a theory and practical test, but there is one big issue. There are only two examiners who can evaluate a driver and award them with their license in all of the country. 
So is it A, Barbados, B, St. Lucia, C, Marshall Islands, or D, Maldives? Maldives. Shout out to The Bachelor. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. They're all like they're all like small islands, I know, so it makes sense. I tried to throw you off on this but one. I, I don't think I don't think there is much of an infrastructure to drive in the Maldives, so I take that question back. I'm gonna say Saint Lucia. Ooh, is that your final answer now? What, so, so Barbados. Yeah. No, so based on that, the way you reacted to that, I'm gonna go with Barbados. Actually, <laughs> is that your final answer? That's my final answer. <laughs> no, it's Saint Lucia. Yeah. Oh, you played me for a fool. So residents of this island are petitioning to bring on two more examiners to help ease the long wait time. Although it is unclear exactly how long the wait time is, St. Lucia Times reports that it's a long enough time that students' permits and medical certificates expire before they even get a turn. Wow. I know. It's a little depressing, actually. But I guess it's such a small island. Why would they need more than two? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, how many roads do they have in St. Lucia? Not that many, right? I'm not sure. It's a small island. St. Lucia's small. All right, on to the next segment of our show. Yeah, history of driving in in Toronto? I'm going to say it's history of just traffic in general. Toronto's history is very small in okay. terms of like the hundreds of years. And this is going to be a little brief thing. Um, so there have been reports of traffic jams in the 1400s in Rome where uh, areas of the city would get so busy that uh, people would have to get partitioned in which part of the city they would go by officials. Uh, another traffic jam, a, a historical traffic jam, would be in 1879 off Broadway in NYC. This is like over 100 years ago. Uh, so traffic was was not as common as it is today, but it definitely happened back in the day. And now let's think about like why it didn't happen back in the day. If you think about like the way society is constructed, we didn't really have any cars back in the day, right? We just had horse carriages and stuff like that. That's how we transported people. So back in, like in medieval times you'd have a castle and then you would have houses neighboring the castle and then around the houses you would have a wall to protect from invaders so basically the way it was designed you can walk from any point of the city throughout like maybe one one hour or two hours so it was very small and very tight and very compact just so they could protect themselves versus invaders so because of that there wasn't really that much traffic and not only that it wasn't just the, the amount of people wasn't as large as it was today. You know, we have almost seven. We have over seven billion people alive right now. Back then, it was probably only one billion less. So, that being said, traffic does kind of take. I, I did touch upon this. Traffic does take a toll on you, psychologically speaking. Um, Doctor Weisenthal, professor at York, did a couple of studies that saying that if you go through traffic two, three times a week. You're going to be 18% more stressed out than the average person. Oh, I believe that. You believe that because you drive every day mm-hmm. through traffic. You know what I mean? You go because you're, you're a supply teacher, right? So you go everywhere and you, you get stressed out. But you're really calm for, I guess you're just a calm personality. So <laughs> Why thank you. That, that helps out. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's an interesting thing like to understand how traffic is. And another thing that's adding to traffic, like so now women that are entering the workforce, I mean, this is not a new thing. This has been happening the last like couple of decades more decades so obviously the obvious thing is that there's more drivers on the road now but now since they're not at home anymore people need to run errands so when people are running errands going to the grocery store picking up their kids this and that it adds 15 to 20 minutes upon upon their commute so it's a combination of all the things and it's uh it's what we're living with right now and that's where we have to find solutions whether it's transit or other methods of traveling or 
working from home. A lot of people are working from home now. Yeah, that's true. With technology increasing, exactly. everyone has that option. Exactly. Well, like, majority of jobs have that option. Majority of jobs are people that work in finance or IT or like people that are like mid-management. You know, you can choose. A lot of companies are like, you can work from home on Fridays. You can work from home on Wednesdays as long as you get approved by everybody else. So that's really nice. I mean, people are thinking more progressively in that sense. And I think that's a good thing for our society. And um, yeah, we're like we're, we're going on there. But I want to tell you guys about the worst traffic jam of all time. It, I'm ready. It was the worst, absolute worst traffic jam of all time, and and it's in one of the busiest and most populated countries of all time. And it is, it's called the China National Highway 110 traffic jam. So it was a traffic jam that spanned over 100 kilometers. Why and, am I not surprised that it was in China? Well, <laughs> <laughs> So it, the traffic jam that happened there it was it was it was on the Beijing Tibet Expressway, and what happened was uh, it was a combination of things. One one thing, the increase in population, more people were getting cars, and China was emerging as an economy. So that highway was getting forty percent more busy year by year. Uh, another thing ha- that added was there was a lot of trucks that needed to transport coal from Mongolia to Beijing, so they had to jump on the highway. Another thing was was construction, so they shut down 50% of the highway, and that resulted in a lot of people just like going a one kilometer a day in a traffic jam. And these people were in their cars, and there were vendors that profited off these people because these people needed to eat. So they would sell like instant ramen noodles or instant noodles to them for three times the price, sell them water bottles for 15 times the price, and things like that. And the traffic jam like literally lasted for like half a month. It's insane. Oh, damn. Absolutely insane. And I like, we complain about traffic here in Toronto. That's like a, an hour or two, but put yourself in those people's shoes. Think, yeah. Every time you're stuck in traffic, think about the people of the Tibet Trans Beijing Highway or whatever it's called. I don't know about you, but every time I'm stuck in traffic, I'm always worried about having to go to the washroom. So, like, what did those people do? They just go to the side of the road? For a month and a half, they're going on the side of the road. People are watching them. Not showering. Yep. So dirty. People are watching them while they're taking it. And how do you make your instant noodles? What do you do? Just boil water on your engine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so, yeah. I guess it was hot enough so you could do that. But That's crazy. Okay, well, thank you for that, Vlad. And uh, the third section of our podcast before our pet peeves is major intersections in Toronto. So before this podcast, me and Vlad took the time to write down what we think are our top five major intersections in Toronto, just from our experiences. They might be a little bit biased. And then we looked up the top 10 busiest intersections from The Star, from Blog TO, and from City TV News. However, we haven't looked at the answers yet, so we're going to reveal the answers to you as they're revealed to us. Okay. Do you want to start with your top five? I do. Okay. Uh, number one, the busiest intersection, in my opinion, in Toronto, Young and Dundas. Number two, Bay and Front. Number three, Young and Bloor. Number four, Bay and Adelaide. Number five, Young and Eglinton. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> Mine are actually pretty similar. Okay, so my number one was also Young and Dundas. My number two was also Bay and Front. Mm-hmm. 
And then my number three was university in front. Mm. And then this is where I think mine gets biased because I'm always driving on the highway <laughs> from the north. So I think number four is DVP slash 404 and 401 because mm-hmm. it, it does that. It narrows there. And 401 and 400. Mm-hmm. So you're a highway girl, I'm huh? a highway. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's do this. So neither of us know these answers. Let's see how close we are. So the star says... Okay, so it doesn't really list them. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. But it said... So then by default, my list wins? No. <laughs> it says... Okay, let's just read it out loud then. The most heavily traveled intersections, the total of vehicle and pedestrian totals, happens to be downtown. It's probably no surprise that the busiest spot in the city uh, city is an area that appears chaotic even during the quietest hours. The intersection is Young and Dundas Street. Yeah. Okay, so we got the first one right. Awesome. So that's a star. Yeah, it makes sense because I was doing a job for, uh, I was working for a moving company and we are building H&M there at Young and Dundas right at the Inn Center. And one of the project managers that was in charge of the construction said that that H&M was responsible for 25% of the revenue for all of H&M in Canada. That's crazy, actually. Yeah, I've shopped there. (laughs) And it's one of those, like, it's like a department store style H&M. It's got like four stories. It's big. They invest a lot of money into getting it there. So it's a money maker. Money, money, money. (laughs) Money. Money. (laughs) Okay, so our next source is a car insurance place. And they say that the top 10 is first Eglinton Avenue and Martin Grove. What? I know. Is this based on car traffic, though? Busiest intersections. They unveiled the 10 specific intersections were identified as congestion hotspots and in need of improvement. Oh, okay. So I wonder if this is more of a construction type of... Oh, yeah. Well, they do uh, refer to Eglinton West, and it's busy at Eglinton West, so makes sense. But it's not what we're looking at, the the most busiest intersections. It doesn't necessarily just mean cars. It means people, too. So people, the movement of people. Is what we want to do, not just cars. Oh, I was thinking just cars when I wrote mine. Oh, well, that's why I wrote the highways. There's no people walking on the highways. Well, I, w- <laughs> I was thinking movement of people, and that's why I chose front plus bay as my number two, because they have the go station there, they have a subway station there, and it's right downtown. So you have all these people coming in from all over the GTA. That's very interesting. We should have specified this. Yeah. This article said that they based it on increasing the length of green lights, installation of television cameras, retiming traffic signals for pedestrians, and left turn advanced green signals. Yeah, no, we want to talk about the volume of people. And um, based on that logic, uh, your host, Vlad, wins on this. (laughs) No matter what, Vlad's going to win, in case you didn't understand that already, listeners. Um, Okay, so they put Eglinton Avenue West and Martin Grove Road as number one. Then they put Lawrence Avenue West and Black Creek as number two. St. Clair Avenue East and Mount Pleasant as number three. Finch Avenue and Young as number four. And Shepherd Avenue and Young, number five. Okay. Interesting. So we don't necessarily agree with them, but we're also maybe just sorry losers. Oh my God, I guess we're going to have to do more research (laughs) and come back in episode three. 
Okay, and then this is Blog To. So let's see what Blog To says. Maybe they'll be with us. Shout out to Blog To. If you guys ever need me to taste any food of your delicious reviews, <laughs> I will be available any time of the day. Thank you very much. <laughs> so they did this. Um, the d- in order to determine the 10 congestion hotspots and aims to implement strategies such as retiming traffic signals and so, such and such. They basically copied the same article. Uh, I, uh, sadly, I think they might have. They because just copied their the number one is Eglinton <laughs> Avenue West and Martin Grove Road. So maybe we are the ones that are wrong. And then they also put Lawrence Avenue West and Black Creek as number two, St. Clair Avenue East and Mount Pleasant number three, Finch Avenue and Young number four, Shepherd Avenue and Young number five. Mm-hmm. So, listeners, if you have a different opinion or you want to argue with our busiest intersections versus the research busiest intersections, please message us on our Instagram or Twitter, again, at gridlock.podcast and at podcast.gridlock. Yeah, okay, and then let's move on to our final pet peeves. Woo! Okay. So I have one. Do you have one for this week as well? Ooh, I thought about ha- I thought about one, but no, I'm 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 empty on this one. You're empty this I'm week. I'm empty on pet peeves. I've, honestly, I I work really close to home, so my driving experience is very limited. So like my drive, I drive three kilometers one way and then three kilometers another way. So it's literally like a five minute drive. So it's easy for me. So I got no pet peeves. I'm very happy driver these days. Yeah, you're lucky. Cause especially considering your commute before then and yeah. switching for the summer. Yeah. Um, so my pet peeve this week is when the GPS adds time as you're driving. Oh, yeah. I It's the most frustrating thing. Like, you think you're going to get there in 20 minutes, and then the GPS adds time, adds time. Oh, t- five-plus minutes here because of an accident. Two-plus minutes here because of construction. And then you don't get there until 45 minutes later. Yeah. Oh, I hate that, too. I really hate that. Oh, uh, Malena. Malena. Shout-out to Malena. Uh Police not following the rules. Oh, what is I, I, what I think Belena means is that, like, for example, if like let's say you're making a left-hand turn, and they don't stop in the most, and then they don't go into the lane in the most immediate left, they go into the farther right lane. That's what I think she means, something like that. Or when you're making a right-hand turn and you go into the most left lane, because you know when you make a turn, you're supposed to be on the lane that's closest to the sidewalk or closest to the road, and then you can switch lanes when it's safe. Sometimes it just you know sometimes they just flex their muscles you know like some not everybody drives perfect all the time. So. I guess and they know that they could get away with it too, so they might take a little bit of advantage. Yeah, who's gonna pull them over? You know what I mean? We're gonna make a citizens ticket. <laughs> yeah. Imagine we're just yeah. like we're pulling you over right now for not following the rules of the road. Then we would probably get arrested. <laughs> I've actually seen this guy on YouTube. He was like this like radical biker. And uh, he does a lot of his, like, he does, like, these like, really crazy stuff. And then he saw this police car making a left turn, and they didn't merge in the, the correct lane that was supposed to happen. So he actually pulled them over and called them out on video. And the cops were like, damn, you're right. We apologize. Aw. Well, some, at least the cops were nice about it. They also, so, you know, people own up to their mistakes. It's not like mm-hmm. people are going to be assholes, depending on who you catch on the bad day. People can be assholes, but. Depends on which officer and where you are and, yeah, the day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you treat them with respect, they'll treat you with respect, and... Yeah, I think so, too. Vice versa. We might go further into nice cops on another episode as well. Um, and our last pet peeve is from our, a listener named Nick, and he says how drivers of cars don't treat motorcyclists the same, a.k.a. driving distance and giving them space when we stop behind them. I said weeks, I'm always driving in a car. 
<laughs> no, no, I'm glad Nick brought that up because being on a bicycle, you're way more vulnerable than a car because you have not, you don't, you're not in a steel cage to protect or you from impact. Motorcycle, or I guess cyclist and motorcycle. So, are sorry, similar. motorcycle, but like the thing is, motorcycles go a lot faster than bikes, right? But either way, you still have to get in the same stopping distance. I've seen where a motorcycle is on in their lane on the road, and a car is basically right on their tail. Like if you crash into a, a cyclist, it's different than having a little bumper bumper with another car. Yeah, and a bike can stop a lot faster than a car because they weigh way less. Yeah. So it makes it makes a lot of sense. You got to respect motorcycles and just give them their space. Be aware, especially when you're switching lanes, because you can't see them as easy. So be aware of motorcycles. Keep the motorcycle drivers healthy or the motorcycle riders healthy and safe. And watch out when you're switching lanes, stopping. Don't fall too closely and just respect them because they're they're way more they vulnerable. More risk, yeah. They have more risk and watch out for them. You don't want to be a part of another stat. I think when I was looking into getting my M license, I read that you're actually supposed to stop something like 10 meters behind them, like a ridiculous amount behind them. And I doubt everyone's doing that. So that's not very fair to them. No, well, I'm glad, you know, shout out to Nick. Thank you for bringing this up because this is a very serious thing that should be discussed more. So thank you for listening to our podcast today. Again, follow us on Instagram at gridlock.podcast, Twitter at podcast.gridlock, and our Facebook group, Gridlock Podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you follow us on Instagram, we're going to provide you with a link with all the traffic cameras in Toronto on the City of Toronto website. Oh, I gave you too much information. doesn't matter. Everybody that's listening to the podcast, I want you to know, go on cityoftoronto.com and they'll provide you with all the traffic cameras so you can literally tune in and see what the traffic is saying at that whatever intersection. And they have a very detailed collection. And another thing is, uh, watch out for Parking Patrol. There's another website that has all the stats that we're going we're gonna to give you the link, of course, has all the stats of where the most parking tickets are issued in Toronto. So follow us at gridlock.podcast that's our instagram and twitter podcast.gridlock or just podcast gridlock and our facebook group is gridlock podcast oh my god it's podcast gridlock gridlock podcast podcast gridlock (laughs) we're out